I've just been a guest on the Evolvepreneur podcast with John North and had a very interesting conversation on the subject of books and why you should write your own book to preserve your legacy and some of the pitfalls that, that might stand in your way. It was very interesting and I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, welcome to Volpenor Podcast Channel. My very special guest today is Helen Wilkie, and uh, thanks for coming on the show, Helen. My pleasure. I've been cool. looking forward. To yeah, so one of my subject, uh, perfect um, favorite subjects is books. So we're going to have some um, some great chat today. So I'm just going to dig into your bio a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. So you've had a long career that spanned the work the world of business, big business, small business, pro professional practices, and nonprofits. Uh, started a business of your own. Uh, some do well better than others. Others have forgotten. Yeah, I can agree with that. <laughs> the most professional and fulfilling time was um, in the early 90s when I accidentally found the world of professional speaking in which I specialised in communication at work. Yeah, 90s was a big time for spe professional speaking, wasn't it? Um, most professional speakers are expected to write books. Um, in fact, you wrote a couple of books and that brought you into the world of books, which is kind of why most people fall in this game by accident, I think. Um, <laughs> And out of my experience, two areas most interesting business and books. So, yeah, that's pretty good. And a lot of business books sell well, right? Um, so, yeah. you brought them together, and now you're doing um, editing, coaching, and and professional ghost writing services. So, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, so you basically learn how to do it, do it yourself, and then figured, well, this is something I can help other people with, right? I'll tell people to do it, yes. Yeah, cool. All right. Um, so, how many, like, I guess the best point is, is what sort of books do you like in terms of, of writing for a client? Like I know when we talk to clients, we have these people who want to come along and do what we call legacy books or logic books, I usually call it. And so uh, what I find is if you, if you, if someone comes in and wants to write like a legacy book about their, their, what they've done, do you find they have a lot more trouble with that than they have to write about what they do? So what they are and what they do, do you think they have trouble with that? Um, well, maybe a little bit, but then that's why I'm here, because those are mainly the kinds of books that I, I work with. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't teach people how to write. Um, I want to work with people who know how to write because they write in the course of their business all the time. They just don't know how to write books. Exactly. But I also, my choice, my preference is to work with people who are at the top of their career and who've actually built something, built a company or a, a non-profit or, or some kind of entity like that, which truly is their legacy. And this is what why they're writing the book, which is this is why I say the book is what protects your legacy. The book is not a legacy. Mm -hmm. It's what you built that's the legacy. And the book is there to to get your story the way you want to tell it. Mm. And that's interesting because the, the thing about is a lot of people, and I actually spoke to a guy yesterday actually about this whole subject. He said somebody had been on him to write a book for, for ages and he didn't want to do it because he thought it was going to be too hard. And then someone came along, they've been interviewing him and, and getting the content and writing the book. And I said, yeah, you've done the smart thing there because a lot of people think they've got to sit down in a log cabin for like two years and write this book right. And it's, <laughs> and, and it's like, they'll never do it. And, and also, they, as you, they don't write books for a living, right? So, you know, like Stephen King can pump out a book in a week, but, you know, like the average person can't do that. <laughs> I mean, they're they're executives, they're business people. They're not they're not writers. They're not authors. Mm. And some of them come to me, having tried to do it on their own. Mm. 
Mm. And they start and they think, oh, I'm never going to get this thing done. And, and it's true, they are never going to get it done. And then somehow they find out about me by accident, usually, or, you know, somebody tells them. And then they come along and they say, oh, my goodness, this is just so much easier. And, and sometimes they just hand it over to me and I ghostwrite it. Mm-hmm. But I, my preference is to coach them so that they can actually do it themselves. But I poke and prod them and give them assistance and support and everything just to help them to get through it. Mm-hmm. So that it's not friend. Because <laughs> 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 I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? And, and, and I suppose what I've seen too is that I guess if someone comes to you and says, oh, I'll, I'll write the first draft and I'll come and see you. Um, I often know I'll never hear from them again, right? Because they'll they'll never get it done. Because it, to me, writing a book is project management. At the end of the day, yes, you know? it's exactly that. Mm. Sometimes people will come to me and say, "Well, I've written a draft. It just needs to be a little tweaked." Mm-hmm. And I always know that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> that's a long way to go from draft, right? <laughs> totally rewritten and turned outside in, and yeah. Mm. And and so. In terms of legacy and stuff like that, do you, um, like, I think if they're involved in writing the book and doing the process, I think they're, they're, they buy into it more. I think if you if you ghostwrite a book, like I've got a couple of clients where I've done books for, we've essentially, essentially ghostwritten it for them. And what happens there is that that's a very um, scientific or, you know, emotionless kind of attachment to it, if you like. Like that book is written very much for a logic scenario. They don't have no emotional attachment. But I think if they write and get involved in it, they're more connected to their book. Um, and I think that's much better way to do a book is not just say to someone, you know, it's, there's horses for courses, but most people who want to leave that legacy, they, they want to have it in their own words too. They don't want it to necessarily. Oh, yes, but the thing is that's part of being a, a good ghostwriter is to be able to to pick up on their, their voice and work with them. And there's also, people work on it different ways, but when I ghostwrite, I still have the author very much involved in the process. I possibly do more interviewing than many other ghostwriters do. And it's partly what you were saying at the beginning. You get into the conversation and it's so fascinating. So that, that and when you're talking to them, you you bring out stories that they had forgotten about, things mm-hmm. that happened in the course of their business, their, their career that they've forgotten. But mm-hmm. in the course of the conversation, sometimes they'll start to tell me a story and then I'll say, wait a minute, back up tell me about that because that's even more interesting so yeah. it is still yeah. their story and it's still their voice yeah the digger they'd be a dig right like sometimes it's like the surface level is like that great but eventually they talk long enough something will come out of that right that they, they're sort of yeah and i mean that's the gold you know that's where it, yes. it's very interesting mm-hmm. so um what's your sort of like perfect kind of scenario for a book in terms of um if someone's going to get you involved in writing a book do you do you map that book out initially and what you're going to talk about and, and like table of contents or do you kind of just dig into it and then kind of make that up as at the end? What's the best kind of strategy to get a book from? You're talking about when I coach people to write Yeah, let's say you're going to coach someone to write a book and <clears throat> and so you say, oh, well, I'm going to start writing at chapter one and, and you know, they you know the old, you see in the movies, right, they've got chapter one on the screen and this is a blank screen and nothing ever happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, we don't do it that way. Because um, that's what most people try and do, right? They sit down in front of the computer, so I'm going to start in chapter one, I'm going to start writing this thing. Exactly, yeah. No, we have actually quite a, an extensive strategy session right at the beginning. The first time we talk on Zoom, it's a couple of hours. Hmm. And it's all about, you know, why are you writing this book to begin with? 
because some people don't have that clear in their mind. And until they do, I mean, that informs the whole approach to the book. And so um, we talk about that. And then we talk also about what what is what is the book about? What is the message of the book? Mm-hmm. And that's tied into why are you writing it? But also the approach, the approach to the book, is it going to be like a memoir or is it going to be, I, I have a client that I'm working just with just now and his book, this person has traveled extensively, but the book is really a business book and they're just using the travel as a background or to pull out stories to illustrate business mm. principles. Mm. So that was all hashed out right at the beginning and in the, the first start. And we also talk about, in practical terms, how are you going to fit the writing of this book into your life? And we do that by starting at when do you want the finish? When do you want the the draft to be written and ready to produce? Mm -hmm. How many words are we going to do? And we look at books, you know, books. I tell them to go in the bookstore, pick up a book, count the words and multiply it. So they have some idea of Mm -hmm. how many words are in the book. Mm -hmm. And then it's basically arithmetic. So you might come back to a point where you say, okay, you're going to have to write 2000 words a week. Can you do that? Mm. okay everybody says yes so okay how are you going to fit it in Mm. because some people can can actually dedicate large chunks of time and they're comfortable doing it that way other people use what i'd like to call the cracks in the day and they like they might write during their commute on the train in the morning and people find all kinds of ways yeah. But I think it's really important at the beginning to understand how you're going to do it because it's hard. As you know, writing a book's not easy. And, and if you come at it when you think you're going to, I had a man quit and I knew he was going to quit before he started because he, mm-hmm. what he wanted to do was just ridiculously out of, it was out of sight. And I said, but his fantasies know, mixed up his capabilities, right? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I said, you know, you're going to burn yourself out, but he didn't believe me, but he did. Mm-hmm. And um, so that is part to me, that's a part of the strategy right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then having covered all those things, the first thing we work on is the table of contents. It doesn't mean that it's going to be the final table of contents, but it gives you hooks to hang the thing on mm-hmm. so that it kind of follows logically. It gives you I always tell people if you've got a really good table of contents and then you've got a good fat outline, it's just like pouring jelly into a mold at that point. Not hard, yeah, because you've got a, you've got a framework to work from. Then you don't have to sit yeah. there and go, "What am I going to write about today?" No, you know what you're writing about because you've already pre preordained it. The interesting thing that we find, like, and I think we talked before about marketing, is one of the things that I've learned from a very smart guy was he said that the table of contents in your book is now your marketing plan for the next two years to five years for your book. Wow. And yeah. all you basically do is just take that table of contents and just take each chapter of it and then go deep on that chapter. So that way you don't have this scenario because we find in marketing books, people just want to go and advertise, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book because of these three reasons. And yeah. no one, and eventually they get sick of it long before the, the marketing gets sick of it. But the reality is, is you're just trying to push the same thing over and over again. Exactly. You've yeah. got that table of contents. And so it's really a marketing plan, I reckon, at the end of the day on how you're going to market that book, how that book's going to work. Um, sure. So you, you're dead on in terms of table of contents. One of the things we always do is get that table of contents out of the way because otherwise the thing will just ship everywhere. Do you, like find it, it, you, know. you find that people are surprised when you say that we're going to do this right away? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think what they – I always say I'm going to do a Tarantino. 
because basically Tarantino movies always start at the end and move to way to the front. And right. so basically it's like they go, well, hang on a minute. So we, all, we usually do cover and title and everything, get all that out of the way first up. Because at the end of the day, like um, they think it's like movies, right? Movies are not shot in any sort of order or anything like that. And so, but they do, they do know what it's going to happen and when it's going to happen. And I think that's the thing that they forget when you write a book. It's not like it's a, you're doing a you know, set sail with a ship and you, and who knows where you're going to end up. No, you need to have a plan to get to the other side of the of the world or whatever you're doing. And I think it is surprising. Like, and, and some people resisted. I, I've had people, I've got one at the moment who started to write her book and, well, you know, she's got a fair way into it and she's resisting the cover, the title and and coming back over the top of it because she wants to think that she can just write that thing. And I'm going, no, it's not going to work because you've actually started in the wrong place and now you're trying to protect the fact you've started in the wrong place (laughs) and we have to take you back like three months back to when you started and and redo that bit because it will never be finished. Not going to work. Yeah. And so you can see how it goes off the rails. And I I think books are a math problem, you know, like you say, like you've got to work out how many words and I find a lot of people I think words are dangerous because you, like for us I always say to people like 40 45,000 words is a good number because mm-hmm. book size is reasonable it can you know it's, it's probably 180 200 pages tops it's a nice easy print run right. or I've had people come to me like, you know I've got one book there uh, 140,000 words you could you could mm. eat off a, an intruder with a thing like it's saying it's massive right and and it's like and it is courses for courses because it's a book about pregnancy and stuff like that and the major seller of that book is actually the 650 pages anyway so you can see that that market likes that size book but i really mm. think that the print cost and all that stuff for that book is so much more um mm-hmm. so i think too much too long is a dangerous thing and and um and cannot be really bad down the track <laughs> You know. It can, and that's another good reason for the, the the table of contents because you can kind of roughly figure how long each chapter is going to be, um, and then you know if it's going to work out to be too long because you're right. And one of the things that people don't think about is the print costs. Mm-hmm. If your mm-hmm. book is massive, it's going to cost you a fortune to get it yep. to get it printed. Yeah, and also pictures. Like I, I get a lot of like we had one client the other day that said, um, "How many pictures can I have the book?" And I said five. So he gave me one hundred and twenty-three. <laughs> one hundred twenty-three oh. pictures, and seriously, one hundred twenty-three pictures. Like, luckily they're mostly text-based pictures, but the logistics of that too. I find that some people think that you know we'll have lots of pictures. So I said it's not a picture book unless you're writing a picture book, you know. Yeah. And and so every photo, every picture must be considered, or every image must be highly considered, whether it's even important to be in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I got a book from Kiyosaki a while back, and I don't know who the hell wrote that book because I don't think it was him. But um, it was um, the same image in the book must have been 30 times. So he'd gone the other way where basically he put the same image over and over and over again to prove a point. And it's like you just repeat, you repeated it. So to me, you've got to be careful with images. Like it's a, a dangerous, dangerous thing to put in a book. Yeah, yeah, there's a science to it. This is that people don't understand. I mean, if you said, I want five pictures and they sent you all these, they, they don't get it. No. Get it. <laughs> and, it, and he sort of like had this idea of, of having these little quotes, like they're all text-based quotes in the book, and it turned out quite nice um, because he actually made them all look the same. And that's the other thing I find with people with images. You've got to make these, you know, if you're going to have those type of images, they, they can't look like you're writing a ransom note. Um, you know what I mean? Like, otherwise, it just ends up being very messy looking and doesn't look logical. 
Yeah. So I've got one client at the moment. It's actually going you know, to get a cartoonist to draw their images for their book, and I think that's quite nice. Not, not a cheap exercise, but, you know, it's quite nice because it does put some nice stuff to the book. So, yeah, I think more thinking about the book, I think that's the, the thing I, I find, I think, is that most people don't do that. They don't think enough about the no. first part of it. You don't. Yeah. And how do you get on with bios? Do you have trouble getting people to write bios and writing bios the right way? So there's, a, there's wow. you know, like, it's not your, um, your resume, right? <laughs> Oh, exactly, yeah. Well, I let them have a go at it themselves and then I do I fix it. There <laughs> <laughs> are a lot of things that a lot of other ghostwriters don't do because I just think we could be going around the mulberry bush on this for months and let me just, mm. okay, I've got the facts, now I'll just write it the right way. <laughs> yeah, and and so I think with buyers too is though people think it's about them, but I always say to someone when they're writing buyers, it's about the reader, not you. Um, exactly. and, and I think that, and I think also the thing is I've noticed too, and it's probably a, a good thing is when you're writing your own book, let's say you went and wrote your own book and did all that sort of stuff, they always leave the buyer to last. They never do it. And the buyer is the most important part to sell the book, because if you can't give someone a story around the book and who you are and why you, why you do it, then the mm -hmm. whole thing will be very hard to market. I've had people give me buyers like two lines long. It's like, you, you won't be able to get your message across because your book no. requires almost your book summary in some cases. And it's the same thing with the back cover copy or the, the description if it's, if it's uh, digital. Mm. People kind of just dash that off. They don't realise the importance of it. And I say to people, you go into a bookshop and you see a book that appeals to you, what's the first thing you do? You turn over and look at the back cover yep. to see what it says. And that could be your decision as to whether to buy it or not. So yeah. it's really important. To get it it's, right. a sales, it's a sales tool, right? Like at the end of the day, it's a, it's a marketing message for your book. Yeah, and I've even sometimes, I don't always do this, but I sometimes work with people where we'll write the back cover copy first before they even start writing the book. And it's a kind of a just a, you know, pin it up on your fridge and that's your reminder of, yep. of where the book is supposed to go. I think it's not a bad exercise. That's quite a good idea. Yeah, that's quite good. I'm still mm -hmm. seeing that. <laughs> the, other thing that, the other thing we've done for clients in, in our process is we actually get them to write a letter from a reader. So from the reader's perspective. Uh -huh. And, and uh -huh. I got off a book coach one. So this is like you get them to write a letter as if the, if someone's read their book and what they got out of it. And I tell you what, it's probably the most impactful thing I've ever seen because they've got to think about it from a completely different perspective because they can't write about themselves. They've got to write about the reader. And then, and that's a really powerful way to kind of come, come real clear about what the book's about. Um, that's so, really good. Okay, I'm going to steal that. You can steal that one. So you got oh, yeah, that's like we're just workshopping here, right? The listeners have got, <laughs> and I think that's the thing. Like you know, you, you you do enough of these, and it's quite interesting. Your strategy and the way you do it, it's very similar to what I've done, quite similar to what other people have done. And mm -hmm. I don't think anybody necessarily you know took it off someone else. It's just after a while, you get to a point where you know these things work exactly. um, from experience, and I think that's what they're paying you for. Is that experience because it shortcuts it in terms of, you know, I don't know. How long does it take you normally to write a book? Three, three months-ish, something like that? or No, I, my, my clients usually take longer than that. Mm -hmm. I, I usually, I say, we can shoot for three months if you like, but it's probably going to take six. And sometimes it takes longer than that. I mean, mm -hmm. there's so many variables. In, in, in and fact, life happens, I mean, right? <laughs> one of the questions that I like least when I, how long will it take to write this book? Or, well, you know, here's the process. And when and I am absolutely fanatical about deadlines. Mm. And so if things go off track, 
It's never me. It's always the author. It's funny. I say the same thing. The client, if something goes wrong and goes off track, it won't be me. <laughs> and they laugh at you, right? The guarantee it'll be the, the them, and and sometimes they've got to do less work than you've got to do. But that the, that's that commitment, right? That's that um, constant in commitment to the book. It's not like you can even a ghost, like even a ghost book. You can't walk away from that book and think, oh, well, I'll come back in six months' time. It's done. It's not going to happen. No, you can't. You have to. And and I keep reminding them of that, that the commitment to the book. And if they, they ask me, you know, should I put this story in or should I put that in or does that belong? And I'll say, well, the question is, will it serve the book and will it serve the reader? And mm. if the answer is no, then don't put it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you, and the important question is ask about the reader because at the end of the day, that's the only person that matters is the person with the credit card that buys that book. No one else, like... I don't know whether you get this whole well-meaning friend stuff, right? Where some somebody's read their book and then it's given them constructive feedback, and yeah. and it's like yeah, but they're never going to buy your book, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think listening to people that either haven't done it at least in the last six months, so they know that they're what they're doing, that you know they're up to date about what's going on in the world, mm-hmm. and 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 then they're going to be buying your book or paying you money. They're the only people that matter. Their opinions, I think. To me, I think. And one of the things that I think with authors is a good one that we come up with is, am I good enough to do this book? I, you know, and I don't know about you, but the one that the biggest problem I have is when you lay the book out and you give them back the final print, then you get crickets. Because what happens is they get scared and then they start wanting to change stuff. And, and it's like, you've got to stay the course at that point. But I find a lot of times that's when the whole thing will stop because they'll go and get worried about what will their friends think of them what were the, you know, and they get all worried about it. I don't really find that too much, I have to say. No. Mm. Well, you probably beat them up too much early. <laughs> so they got it. It's like, you know, mate. But, um, yeah, I just find, and, and sometimes that happens early in the game. And I think you probably find the same thing is they get to a point where they, they, start, doubt, they start doubting themselves and you've got big trouble mm-hmm. because. Um, oh, yes. I mean, I have to talk people off the ledge yeah. every time the book yeah, because yeah. there's always a point in the middle and but but what makes them feel better is when they know that this happens to everybody even mm. king has this time in the middle where he thinks this book is crap yeah. <laughs> you know it, it, as long as you know it's just part of the process and we just yeah. work through it you know and i help them to work through it mm. yeah. and i think that's the thing like um like I, a lot of times people will say to me i'll say go to go to amazon and check out tony robbins reviews for example right now, Tony Robbins has got a lot of, you know, arguably makes a lot of money. So he can't be doing everything wrong, right? And so right. you look at him and you look at his reviews, you'll find he's got one-star reviews, right? And, uh-huh. and you go looking again and, and you go, well, you know, everybody, nobody's perfect, nobody likes everybody. And I think, you know, other people think he was none of your business anyway. <laughs> but, you know, like I think at the end of the day, you've got to be careful of that, you know, little thing on the back of your mind thinking, oh, no, I can't do this, you know, what, what are my friends going to think of me? Um, the reality is it's a bit like public speaking, I think. You know, from my experience, public speaking, most people in the room are rather happy that they're not on stage with, you know, not on stage and you're up there other than them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can relate to that. Yeah, so cool. So what what's the future for you in 2022, <laughs> which is not too far away as it's coming around pretty quickly? So what, what, you, what you realise. Well, I my intention is just to do more of the same i mean this is i've reached a point in my life in my in my business where um i don't need 
a lot of clients. Mm. I just need a handful of clients at a time mm. to, to help them get their books written. And so I'm very careful about, you know, I'm always getting approached by people who want to help me, you know, get more and more clients. And I always say to them, I'm not your target client because I don't want all these, these if people. you were 30 or something like that, I mean, you know, you're only, you're only like early 40s, I see, but you know, like, you know, when you when you when you're 30, you've got a lot more energy, a lot more, um, you know, you want to go out there, but when you get older, it's like, yeah, you know what's going to happen if you get too much business. Mm. It's too much. I mean, I, I, I live in Argentina and I moved here to Buenos Aires not to work all the hours that God sends. I worked here, I came here to work in the morning and then play. So, nice. and I, understand now what i have to do to make that happen mm. and that is just just keep perking along with the number of clients that i've got now when i'm when one book is winding down then i you know start putting up a little a few more efforts to get some more clients but um or else sometimes i have a waiting list sometimes mm. people have to i'll say yeah i'll be happy to do your book but two months from now we can start mm. and i think that's the thing about um we found the same situation like people suddenly decide hey, i'm going to do it now i was like yeah that's okay <laughs> but you know the schedule might not work out the way you think it is and i think traditional publishing if you go to a traditional publisher people think okay we'll go and get a publisher but the reality is by the time that you even get around to writing that book and the amount of times i'll change it on you but then it might be two years before that book comes out because yeah. of their schedule and so to me, self-publishing is far faster. I mean, if it takes you 12 months to write a book or six months to write a book, that's nothing in comparison to what a traditional author goes through. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, they're just to me, it's a no-brainer now in today's world to do to self-publish. Mm. I mean, I have, I've, I've written, I can't even remember how many books I've got. I think about probably a dozen, around a dozen, and two of them are, were traditionally published. Mm -hmm. And mm. those two books were more trouble than all the rest of them. Yeah, because, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they changed the title. I didn't like the title, but that's too bad because they have, you know, everything's under their control. Mm. Um, and as you say, you have to wait. I mean, I started writing books because I was a professional speaker mm -hmm. and you have to write books. And I, I wanted, I, I don't want a book two years from now. I need a book to sell at the back of the room. Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's this thing too, and I think that the, the ego there is the thing of I've been published by a publisher, but the reality is that to me, it's like if you write a good book, you know, maybe a publisher will pick you up down the track and it'll be to your benefit and you can negotiate. You've got something yes. to work off because you've already sold X number of books so that they're not coming to you cold. Um, and they no. prefer that anyway. Like publishers don't really like people that, that have no platform and no... Um, oh, no, the platform's number so. one for them, yeah. 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 So I think it's a, yeah, the thing that I find a lot of people is they'll, they'll go after these publishers and I've had a couple of clients, prospects I've spoken to where they've gone, oh, I'm waiting for the hear back from these publishers and I'm thinking to myself, you're not going to hear back from them. <laughs> like, or they're going to stuff you around. Like they're going to just come back to you and say, oh, look, can, can you send us a longer version of the book? Can you do this? Can and they're not really doing anything. They're just keeping you busy. They just don't want to yes. say no just in case. But yeah. I think... Yeah, so controlling your own destiny, I think, writing your own book. And, and, and I think to swing back to the original comment about your legacy, the, the reality is that books last forever, right? You know, there's, the books for five goes back 500 years or whatever it is in terms of books being first published. So once you produce that book, that book is there forever. Even if you, like, if you publish a paperback book and put it on Amazon, um, you can't delete that book anymore because there's printed copies in the world that, that therefore you now exist. Um, and you yep. can never delete yourself, right? So to me, it's the best place to be because 
um, you know, you can you can be deleted on social media and not not exist. It happened to me once where LinkedIn decided to turn off my account. Fifteen years where the stuff was gone in thirty seconds, all wow. time. And you think, mm. where's your legacy gone there, right? So all that posting you would have done in the last fifteen years is, you know, luckily they turned it back on again. But when you look at it, you think that's it's gone. You you know, you don't really exist. And so I think this whole idea of social media and posting doesn't doesn't stay there. It doesn't mean it's going to be there forever. There's nothing. There's, there's, I mean, you know this yourself. There's, there is no feeling quite like holding mm. your book in your hand with your yes. name on it as the author. I mean, it's... Never it's gets fantastic. old. <laughs> Never gets old. I think I've done seven books or something and I get the new book and it's the same experience. Like it doesn't change. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's really cool talking to you. Um, so... Um, if someone wants to get hold of you and and um, and perhaps do a book with you, what's the best way to, to do that? Like, I think we've got the executive co- executivesbook.coach.com. Yes, um, it's theexecutivesbookcoach.com. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll put it up on the web. Yeah, so we'll make sure we put that up on the thing. Um, um, and you've got a bit of a special offer for for our listeners as well. They can grab hold of something. Yes, um, if if somebody wants is interested in writing a book and doesn't quite know where to start, mm-hmm. um, I have a, a series of questions that I've created that will you, that you ask yourself that will help you to kind of get straight in your mind where you want to go with your book and how you want to approach the book. And so if people go to my website and uh, find my contact information, they can send me an email from there and I will send them the and list of questions. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's the best place to start. I think, as you say, like we're probably swinging back to what we talked about, you know, getting that initial framework and that plan together and, and asking the tough questions at the start will make it a lot easier down the track. <laughs> And I also um, I also have my latest book available for sale on my web. Well, it's not for sale on my website, but they can see it there. And it's so show us the book too, by the way. Mind you, this is a podcast audio, but we do have a video version, so it's all good. So called the book that saved a legacy, and it's a business fable about the importance of telling your story. Mm-hmm. And it's if anybody is in that position where they've been thinking for years about writing a book and they never seem to get around to it. This book is for them. It's a little whimsical story mm-hmm. and it's a fable. It's a fable. And, uh, but it, it makes a very important point. Like if you don't tell your story, one of two things will happen. Nobody will write it and you'll be forgotten. I mean, mm-hmm. people will forget that you started this company. Yep. The other thing that can happen is somebody else will write the story and they won't get it right. Mm. It wouldn't be the way you wanted to tell the story. Mm. So really, that's why I say that it safeguards your legacy mm. because it's your story. You're the one that knows how it actually all unfolded. So you write the book. Mm. You write the book. And if you're yeah, stuck and you don't know where to start, I can help you. Mm, excellent. That's great. And I think it's a good point. Like at the end of the day, like, you know, you get to tell your own story, not someone else telling a story. And and everybody's got perspective and, and, of course, you've got to ask other people in often that situation because you might not be around to even defend yourself anyway. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, cool. Thanks so much for coming on and um, really appreciate your time. And I think it's a it's a great subject and I think it's it's an excellent thing to kind of, as you say, leave your legacy and make sure that, um, you know, you tell your own story and I think it's excellent. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me, John. I've enjoyed our conversation. <laughs>